This episode of Making Products is sponsored by Angled.io. Angled allows you to upload 3D models of your products and immediately have global distribution of those products. When a customer orders your product, Angled will print that product, pack, pack that product, and ship that product all for you, all part of the service without any cost to you. This gives you instant distribution, instant manufacturing. Angled, of course, uses fleets of 3D printers sponsored by Slant 3D in order to create these products at scale with no cost of tooling and no setup. It gives physical product manufacturers the same power as bloggers and app developers to immediately launch their product as soon as they create a digital version of it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making Products. I am your host, Gabe Bentz. So today, what we wanted to do is actually start off with something that, that that's very unique um, and is not commonly discussed in broader manufacturing or startup or product design because it's not really something that is commonly known as available. Uh, it, it's very, very new, exceptionally new. Um, but with our sponsor today, Angle.io, I really wanted to discuss this because it's something it's a huge opportunity that people are really passing up. And, and that is 3D printing. Um, and I don't just mean like having, using 3D printer for prototyping or anything else, but designing products very explicitly for 3D printing. I personally have a, a very big passion for this. I did a TED talk uh, or TEDx talk uh, several years ago about design for 3D printing. And I just thought uh, with making products that it would be a great topic to start with. Um, so with that, uh, here we go. For, for those of you who are not really familiar with it, um, what is 3D printing? I wanted to just kind of give some, some basic sort of initial conversation about what it is, what it can do, and, and the context of how we're going to talk about it today. Um, 3D printing is very varied. <laughs> there are dozens of 3D printing processes. Um, and then those are split even further, potentially depending on what material you have. I do not want to get into how to 3D print. I don't think it's really relevant for this conversation. And it's not, it's not useful for the folks who will be listening to this podcast because very few people understand the chemistry of plastics um, and yet they order injection molds and that kind of thing. So you don't need to know the nitty gritty of how 3D printing works in order to be able to utilize it. But with that being said, there are different processes that you need to be aware of uh, just in the context of material selection and what is possible. The same way you need to know what can be done with wood and what can be done with metal. Similar kind of rules apply for 3D printing. So... In the context of 3D printing, you pretty much have plastic and metal. Uh, metal 3D printing is exceptionally expensive right now. It is almost always cheaper to have something machined if you are using uh, metal parts than to have it 3D printed. The one caveat to that is if you have a design that is exceptionally complex and has to be exceptionally complex, then you have to use 3D printing. And it was probably the, the cheaper option because machining will be a son of a gun if you're creating a very complex part. Um, something with like a curved tunnel in the center of it, uh, that is almost impossible to machine 
in most cases without creating a complex assembly. So in the context of metal, you only want to use 3D printing today in 2020 if you have a very complex part. Now, plastics. Plastics is what we're going to focus on for the majority of this uh, uh, talk today. Um, within plastics, there are a number of primary processes. Uh, the first is FDM, which is filament deposition modeling, which is basically what all of you are familiar with. It is the printer that you've seen in the library, which is a, basically a hot glue gun squirting down a very small bead of plastic that slowly grows kind of a coil part pot that turns into your part. Uh, that's FDM. Uh, and actually FDM will probably be the main focus of most of today. The other process that again is almost viable for mass production if you have the right kind of part um, is HP multi-jet fusion, uh, which is basically a, you have an inkjet printer that's moving back and forth across powder and it prints down a slice of your part, a cross section of your part into its powder. And then it lays down another layer of powder and it squirts down another layer of ink to create the next layer of your part and so on uh, to eventually create a, a very strong part, basically by fusing powder together in layers. Uh, and the final process that, again, has a reasonable chance at scale right now is resin 3D printing. Uh, the reason resin 3D printing is tougher to get access to is that even though it has the ability to produce large quantities of parts, there's not really a service or a company that I would be able to point you to um, that would be able to do that for you. There is, of course, Carbon 3D, and they will connect you to some of their suppliers, but very few of their partners have more than one or two machines. So they really can't produce tens of thousands of parts for your product or they require minimum orders of tens of thousands of parts for your product. So there's Resin is viable, but it just doesn't really have the business infrastructure around it to be used as compared to like multi-jet fusion or FDM, both of which have pretty good businesses built around them right now in order to allow mass manufacturing. Uh, so going from here on, we're going to focus pretty much on MJF and then FDM because both of those can produce tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of parts for you very affordably, uh, very quickly, and at scale. So uh, getting into these, uh, in the context of multi-jet fusion, just so you're able to access this early on here in the talk, a company that is very good at multi-jet fusion and has the largest deployment of printers uh, for multi-jet fusion is a company called Forecast 3D. They are located in San Diego, California. They are able to, they have 25 of these machines uh, and during COVID, they produced millions of uh, nasal pharyngeal uh, swabs uh, that are basically the spikes that people shove up your nose to uh, get some snot and test if you have COVID-19. Uh, these are really small, thin parts. And really small, thin parts do well in multi-jet fusion. So producing a ton of those is very easy. Producing one of those is very expensive. Multi-jet fusion, since they have this whole bed that they have to fill up, it's very expensive to print one part. But if you're trying to avoid molding and you need a high-quality functional part um, and you're able to produce, say, 1,000 or 10,000 of them, multi-jet fusion is quite cost-effective. On the FDM side, uh, two companies that are very uh, able with the, with the biggest printer farms in North America are Voodoo Manufacturing in Brooklyn, New York, 
uh, and then Slant 3D in uh, Idaho. Both of these companies have large print farms of 150 to 200 machines. Slant 3D is actually building out a factory with 800 machines in it. Uh, they will be the, the largest one when that one's all done. But they're able to produce thousands of parts. Uh, Slant 3D has produced tens of thousands of parts for many clients, all using 3D printing. So you don't have the upfront cost of injection molding. And guys, that is not to be understated. If you are making a mold and you're doing it domestically inside of the United States, it is exceptionally expensive to make a mold for a part. And you don't know if you did it correctly until that part is done. So using 3D printing is valuable because it gives you so much flexibility to change your mind and improve the product. Uh, and you don't have that upfront cost because a mold will cost $50,000 if you're making something kind of larger, complex. Uh, 3D printing, you spend 100 bucks for the first part, and then you're spending a dollar for each part after that. Um, it's a good model. Anyway, those are the companies to kind of look for and all that. But let's get on into actually how to design this stuff. So uh, what can actually be done with 3D printing? Uh, because it gets a bad rap very often as far as like strength or aesthetics, that kind of thing. Um, so I wanted to go through each one of those things. Strength is the first one to talk about. The concept that 3D printing is less functionally strong than like injection molding is absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. The reason that idea exists is because people design injection molded parts and then they ask somebody to 3D print them. And that is like trying to cast a metal part out of clay. It, it, you're not matching the process to the materials that you have. You're not matching, matching your design to the process. And any engineer will tell you that given the choice, uh, you should pick the optimum process for your application or you should adjust your design for that process so that it actually works for you. Um, you cannot make a solid sphere with injection molding because the shrinkage of the material would uh, ruin the geometry of the sphere. You can make a solid sphere with 3D printing. In that context, 3D printing is better. You can make really thick, chunky parts with 3D printing very easily, most of the time, particularly with FDM. That's not entirely true for like multi-jet fusion or some of the other resin processes. Uh, very often those parts have to be hollowed out or have an, an uh, empty chamber that the powder can drain out of. There are a lot more design constraints with multi-jet fusion or resin printing than with FDM printing. Uh, of the processes, FDM actually is the most free as far as material usage and internal volumes uh, compared to most of the other processes. I don't want to I don't want to commit to that entirely, but if you need a sealed internal volume uh, with a complex internal geometry, uh, FDM is the best one for that. Resin would be second, and multi jet fusion would be last. Um, but anyway, designing for strength, if you want a strong 3D printed part that is printed from like FDM, the secret to making the part strong is to just make it thick. Uh, from an engineering standpoint, all the strength of like an I-beam is in the, the two top and bottom part of the eye. Uh, a square, an empty hollowed out rectangle has the same strength as an I-beam because you don't need that internal material. A solid square rectangle 
would be just about as strong, just a smidgen stronger uh, than a hollowed out rectangular tube. And that is what you're doing with 3D printing. If you make a thick, chunky part, you are able to get the strength out of it that you otherwise wouldn't. In injection molding, you have to rib it out and, and you have to remove material and all of these things to make it thin, skinny, and reduce material. None of that is a problem with 3D printing. You can have a fat, chunky part and it does not make the part more expensive, but it does make it stronger. Uh, there's a lot of documentation about the, or, or more documentation out there. Uh, do do some research, talk to your engineer if you're working with a 3D printing company and they'll kind of walk through you through in your context of how to design a part. Uh, but in general, make it thick and chunky and it will be as strong or stronger than your injection molded version, where, which has to be uh, thin and material efficient. As far as aesthetics, uh, layer lines. This is always what people point to inside of layer lines. Um, and it's a thing that 3D printing continues to have an issue with. Resin 3D printing doesn't really have layer lines. Uh, Multi-Jet Fusion still has them, but they're not really demonstrably present. Uh, FDM is about the same as Multi-Jet Fusion, depending on who you're working with. But to, to make the layer lines entirely disappear, which is possible, um, is kind of expensive with 3D printing because it increases machine time so much. But it is possible to eliminate the layer lines. However, again, using the process, a couple things you can do. With any 3D printing process, you can apply a texture to a part for free. It costs nothing. With injection molding, it's impossible to have a texture inside of the mold because then you can't pull the part out of the mold. Uh, and with uh, molding, if you have to apply the texture afterwards, you're adding another process. 3D printing, puts a texture on for free. So you might as well use that. And by applying that texture, say like an orange peel, uh, you are hiding the layer lines. So there's really not a problem there and actually a benefit that is not very common or very often realized. Uh, you can post-process 3D printed parts in order to get rid of some of the color. But if you're doing something like with angled.io where you just upload the 3D model, there's no post-processing of it. So you want your 3D model and your final product to incorporate the layer lines. Historically, when I have designed products for pure 3D printing, I lean into the layer lines and we use them kind of like the grain in wood. Uh, it's an artistic component that you can use. Uh, the good part about like FDM layer lines, you won't get fingerprints on your part. Uh, they're very good for functional parts because they give you a little bit more traction on the grab. Um, and it's, it, it's not a bad thing. People look down on it sometimes for the layer lines. They're really not. They're just a feature of the process. They're not a deficiency of the process. In fact, you could say that smoothness is a deficiency of injection molding because molds have to be perfectly smooth in order to be functional at all. Uh, applying a texture or anything else in injection molding, super expensive, very difficult. As far as colors go, uh, resin has no color options except black and clear and some var variations of gray in between. Uh, Multi-jet fusion is limited to uh, black and gray, like cloudy gray. FDM is the only printing process that allows colors in any Pantone that you can pick. Uh, so in the color realm, FDM is far better uh, than any of the other processes because you can actually create custom colors that match your brand and do what you need them to do. As far as materials go, 
Uh, you can pretty much get any type of plastic that you want in most of the 3D printing processes. Uh, Multi-jet fusion is probably the most limited of all of them. Resin is getting more and more all the time. Uh, FDM, just because it's been around longer, probably has more materials such as carbon fiber infused and anything else. But that's just because it's a much easier format to work with, whereas the other processes have to fit with the technology in order for the material to work. Um, but ma materials are pretty flexible. You can generally find any functional type of material you need in any of the processes. Um, and then geometry. Ultimately, the a huge advantage of 3D printing that no other process can touch it on is geometry. You can create impossible, impossible parts with 3D printing that just are not feasible with any other process, period. No other process can do it. And the only way they ever could was by chopping up your complex geometry into multiple different parts that are then assembled with gaskets in between and everything else. Say, say you had a square, uh, a cube, a manifold, and you've got two holes going in the side that are going to run some fluid through this tube or through this cube. And inside of the cube, you have like tons of U-turn pipes inside of it. That is impossible to manufacture without slicing that cube into several sections that are then sandwiched together. With 3D printing, you get to print that whole cube all at once. It has all the channels internally. You even can have threads out there where the, the pipe screws in, or you can tap them afterwards. Uh, it's really easy to do that kind of stuff with 3D printing, and it's exceptionally expensive to do it any other way, if not outright impossible. So that hopefully that kind of gives you an outline of what is feasible with 3D printing and kind of generally what's possible as far as design and strength and aesthetics there, in case you weren't ever familiar with it before. But I just wanted to hit home that there's many misconceptions about 3D printing that mainly exist because injection molding guys <laughs> send injection molding stuff to 3D printing and that just doesn't make any sense because you're not matching your design practices to the process. A design optimized for injection molding does not work with 3D printing or it doesn't often work with 3D printing. Um, so optimize for the process and you'll save your time, money, yourself time and money and it, it'll be worth it. Uh, in the context of, okay, that's all great. This is what you could do with 3D printing, but who's actually using 3D printing in any sort of way? Uh, 3D printing is a commonly used technology. Right now, the entire industry is $12 billion uh, and it's growing at 25 to 35% every year. 3D printing has traction and is being utilized and not, and this is not from people buying it for their house or for their garage. This is real stuff. Uh, GE actively uses 3D printing for parts in their jet engines because it's lightweight. They are able to consolidate parts and again, create those really complex geometries. Those are metal parts. Uh, SpaceX has used 3D printed parts for their, uh, the helmets for their spacesuits as well as for several of their rocket engines that are used on like their Dragon uh, capsules. Uh, a little closer to home, FDM side, a company called LittleBots manufactures STEM robotic kits from FDM 3D printed parts uh, at scale. They've produced thousands of those kits. They're a very successful company um, and they're great looking kits. Uh, there is a company called Out of Darts that's based in Seattle. 
this guy actually is a, a very good YouTuber, very good content creator. He does Nerf products all the time. He's created uh, several Nerf guns as well as numerous Nerf mods, like the bigger magazines and that kind of thing, all with 3D printed parts that he is basically running a small print farm out of his house, which is awfully expensive to set up um, or out of his warehouse. But he has a very successful business selling 3D printed parts that are all reliable, very high quality, and it gives his customers the option to pick colors. Uh, in a broader context, products that have been created that didn't exist before, there's a Baker Cube. The Baker Cube is a great idea. It's actually, again, I keep on, stop. I don't want to keep hearkening back to our sponsor, but Angle.io has a bunch of really cool 3D printed products on it. But the Baker Cube is one of them. It is a one cup, a uh, half cup, a quarter cup, and tablespoons and teaspoons all integrated into this single cube. All of your measuring cups in this single part. And it's a brilliant design. Uh, it is 3D printed and it is being distributed uh, through 3D printing. It is printed on demand whenever people buy it. Uh, but it's an awesome product. And it'd be fairly difficult to injection mold because it's so complex three-dimensionally. Uh, it's tough to eject uh, this type of a mold. It's not impossible to mold it. It could be molded, but uh, it, it's made with 3D printing and it was originally born as a Thingiverse 3D model that everybody printed and was really popular and now it's getting wider distribution. Uh, but that's really what's amazing about 3D printing is that you can, today it is now possible through 3D printing services or print-on-demand services like Angled to just upload a 3D model and then that physical product is now available to your customers. That's really, really cool. Because historically, if you wanted to manufacture something, you got your idea, you kept it secret, you got your patent, and then you spent three months fighting with molders in China or the US, spending literally thousands of dollars. And then finally you get your part and you had to order 10,000 of them and you store them up in boxes in your garage. And then you hope and pray that somebody buys them all and you don't lose all your money and with 3d printing that risk if not in completely eliminated is substantially reduced with angled you can just directly upload it and boom immediately it's out there it's as if you just uploaded an app and only when people get it it shows up or you can use 3d printing to just order a hundred of them then you change your design you order a hundred more or a thousand more and then you go to ten thousand and then you go into molding if you're selling millions but it's just a really flexible way to get started with very little. And people don't appreciate that about 3D printing right now, how valuable it is to just allow products to be created that otherwise couldn't be. Uh, so how do you really get into 3D printing here? How do you start designing or manufacturing your product there? Um, I do highly recommend that if you want to create a 3D printed product that you get a 3D printer. You can get them for 200 bucks. Uh, they are a machine of skill. They are not user-friendly. If anybody is marketing user-friendliness, it's user-friendly for a 3D printer, but it is not an iMac. It is not an iPhone. It is not a computer. It is not a microwave. Uh, the closest similarity a 3D printer has is a bandsaw. This is why nobody has them in every home because 3D printers are like having a bandsaw in your kitchen. So if you get a 3D printer, there is a learning curve. 
not only of operating the printer, but actually of how to create the 3D models. So uh, get a printer. It's good to know how the process works and actually see it. But if you don't want to do that, I would more recommend that you familiarize yourself with 3D modeling because that's how you're going to design your product. And if you hire someone to do that, it is more expensive than if you do it yourself. Admittedly, having somebody do it for you will have it done correctly. Um, whereas if you don't have an engineering background and you design a product, that everything about that product is going to be wrong. The manufacturer is going to either charge you a lot or tell you to take it back to the drawing board. Um, so all that being said, good to know how the process works. Play around with one somehow. Um, but focus on learning how to design a good product. Uh, if you're ready to go into production or to get your part made, again, the print services that I had mentioned before. If you're using MultiJet Fusion, there's Forecast 3D uh, is the big one. There's several other MultiJet Fusion companies around. You'll likely be able to find a local 3D printing company that can do stuff for you. They're fairly common. Uh, for FDM, the biggest ones are Slant 3D and Voodoo Manufacturing. They're able to produce, the, the, I say biggest ones in that they're able to produce thousands of parts and do it fairly affordably. Um, but they're the largest print farms in the world that are publicly available as a service. So they're very good. Uh, if you're looking for zero risk and you just want to try to monetize your products, uh, try uploading either the 3D model for other people to 3D print or go to someplace like our sponsor, Angled.io. I, I don't mean to keep on harping on them. I, I do apologize for that. Um, but it's a neat service. You upload a 3D model. And the physical parts show up in people mail, people's mailboxes. That has never happened before. It's a cool thing. And I'm so, it's neat that they're sponsoring this. Um, that being said, I am involved with Angle in a certain way. So I do have a bias, but it's a cool service. Um, but how do you pick between all those services? Quite bluntly, go out, get quotes from them all. Get your model, send it to them. Say, give me a quote for a thousand and then order a thousand and go from there. It will be cheaper than injection molding and I'll get you started. So ultimately guys, what I want you to take home from this is just the fact that 3D printing is able to produce a large number of parts. It can definitely get your product started. And if you design it correctly, it will be a good product. It will be a strong product. It will be a cool looking product. Um, and you'll be able to get started because the alternative is literally spending thousands and thousands of dollars getting your idea manufactured when nobody wants it. And that's the last thing you want to do because then that might be the last chance you have to do your idea. Silicon Valley is able to create awesome products because they have thousands of people creating stupid ideas every single day. But the only thing it costs them is the time to create the app and realize, oh, nobody's downloading it. Manufacturing is exceptionally expensive and difficult. 3D printing makes it a lot cheaper, a lot more flexible and gets you closer to that idea of just trying something. And if it fails, oh, well, you move on to the next thing. So try it. Do consider it. Consider it really heavily uh, because it's a technology that's not going away, that's growing, and that more and more people are going to use to manufacture their products. Have a good day, everybody. Good luck with all your product design endeavors. Go make some awesome products.